0: Greetings to all of you in the podcast State of Mind. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the Evangelicals.
1: Hey, welcome to episode seven. We're getting close to the decade mark. And I want to welcome all of you. And today we are tackling the issue of sports. That was very cute. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, we're talking about sports today. Middle of college football, NFL, start of the basketball season. World NBA Series started. World Series started last night. Yep. It is a good time to talk about it.
0: Yeah. Here's the question for today. Are sports antithetical to the gospel? That's... It Can someone be a Christian, an evangelical and have as a very important part of their life, sports. This is the question that we're tackling today. I wanna, I wanna begin by um, just giving a, little, giving a little background, talking about Jeremy and I and our experience with sports. But I grew up being a, a high school athlete. I was, went to a very small school and because I was six foot one and 200 pounds, I was a varsity starter for three years in football But it really wasn't because of any talent. It was just that I was the second largest guy in my graduating (laughs) class, you know. And so I I played played football, played basketball, loved loved sports growing up. And honestly, sports were a very important part of my own physical and mental development, I would say.
1: Yeah, for me, I grew up um, playing sports. Baseball mainly was the sport that uh, I played most often. But just played directly growing up. once I got to high school, I didn't play any sports in, in school. Uh, I was part of the band, and at our school, that was pretty all-consuming. And and so never ventured into playing uh, anything uh, as far as that goes. I remember in, in high school, I played with in another rec league of some guys that didn't make the high school basketball team, and I was friends with them, and they asked me if I wanted to play along. Uh, my brother played golf in high school. Um, and other than that, we were... More, like I said, did the music thing and the arts thing, um, but have always enjoyed playing sports, loved some church softball, um, love watching sports of all flavors. And so it's been a part of, of my life as well. Well, And
0: now you're doing something that's been really fun for you and really informative for you and a, just a good outlet and opportunity for you this fall. You are, you're a varsity coach, right? That's
1: right. And uh, coached the cross country team at Paulding and the high school and the middle school. Oh, uh, wow. Boys and girls. So yeah. it's, uh, it's been awesome. Uh, cross country seems to be a different kind of sport than others, uh, where it seems everybody really does cheer for everybody. Uh, it is competitive, but not so much that we put other people down or tried to um, dominate them in such a way that they feel the lesser um, but we really try to. It seems to be a sport, like I said,
0: everybody cheers for everybody, and everybody just wants everybody to run their best. Well, so I think that we live in a cultural climate in which sports are just normative. Sure. Like, if you're if you're doing life in America, you're probably going to put your kid in a sport at some time in their life because it's just sort of what we do. It's so much a part of our collective identity and the ethos in in. Popular culture in America right now. And so uh, I posed the question at the very beginning in kind of this, this way creating a dichotomy or a polarization of, like, the faith of Christianity in sports. Just because I don't know that we think critically about sports as a formative influence on us or as something that's really um, in conversation with our faith. It's just so much a part of the status quo, it's so much a part of what we do, and it's just interesting that you just said that thing about um, coaching cross country and trying to do it in a way that's like not demeaning or something. Um, just because I I don't think that would be something that would necessarily come to my mind when think I I mean I didn't you sort of put that idea in my mind that it would be um, I don't know that there would be something negative of you coaching coaching cross country. Do you know what I'm saying? No, totally. But I think that once again,
1: it seems to be sometimes in team sports, it's all about, um, so yeah, it's been mentioned, like I'm an Alabama fan, right? And You are an Alabama fan, Jeremy. And so fan, I think Jeremy. that
0: for me... Always on the team of the Goliath when you're an Alabama fan. <laughs> it's
1: been good. It's been real good. I can't lie. Um,
0: David will rise up, Jeremy.
1: Right. So... University of Auburn has lost three games, and I couldn't be more excited about that. <laughs> you know, and so it's got this mentality, right? Of sometimes we glory when other teams don't do as well, all because they are a specific school um, that that would be a rival of your school. I don't feel that in cross country. I guess is what I was trying to say, and and I don't feel like you were looking at me thinking, "How could you be a coach in uh, in this world yeah. that we're living?" In? I yeah. didn't feel that at all, but more just trying to say. It seems to be a different sport, and I really enjoyed it. And actually, it's been very fulfilling
0: in my own life. Been very busy, but been very fulfilling. So I want to talk about a couple of things as it uh, pertains to sports and our faith. I want to talk about parenting. I want to talk about coaching, and then I want to talk about maybe the goal of sports. And let's we're gonna we're gonna come at them kind of in the opposite order. So I want to I want to ask the question. To you as the listener, what is the point of sports? What's the point of sports? There are some, uh, there are some good things that result from sports. Sure. I remember as a as a youngster, I was pretty physically out of shape, and really the gift of uh, football and basketball to me were that I was able to be really, really physically active, burn a lot of calories, learn about my body in the age of pubescence while I was growing up, and sports was a really important avenue for that. I also remember uh sports was something that taught me endurance physically. Uh every every Monday in football, we would run 48 40 yard dashes. It was kind of our conditioning day. And we would just we would just count down, you know, from 1 to 48 and I just remember every week when we would get done with that, just feeling such a sense together as a team of accomplishment that we had we had completed the tradition um of keeping ourselves trying to keep ourselves fit for the fourth quarter you know and i i don't see that as a negative thing i think that was i think that was very positive i think it can also give students give athletes maybe who
1: are down in life it could give them a real sense of purpose of meaning of belonging to something where um Unfortunately, sometimes what I would say, hopefully the church could be, but sometimes they don't find that in the church. So uh, that sense of identity and purpose, which I think we're going to get at is yeah! how do it gives them something to strive for. It gives them a, a community. It gives them a sense of belonging. It gives them, hey, if no, if everybody else is against me, I've got my team behind me. Um, and, and And so I think that it can also... It causes students to want to be a part of
0: that. Aren't those some of the best stories in sports? Like you think of the, you think of the, um, of the kid uh, from Pennsylvania s- several years back who was the manager of the team because he wasn't as physically able as the other kids, and they put him in in the fourth quarter, and he just goes off, hits like. Like seven three pointers or something like this, yeah. and, the, and the entire community just get gathers around him and lifts, hoists him up, and carries him off the court. Or there's there's a lot of those are some of the best stories in sports is when sports does become a positive alternative community to whatever that individual is experiencing. Did you see the uh, the the snapper for field goals from USC who's blind or whatever
1: and and went out in a game and did a snap for a extra point kick or something. Like his teammates literally had to, had to hold onto a shoulder pad to get out to where the field was. Uh, I think there's a lot of stories like that. And I don't want to bring it up, but like this kid from Purdue,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But once again. The wound is still fresh, Jeremy. My sister-in-law is a
1: huge Buckeye fan. Yeah. And she made the statement. She goes, I was watching that on game day. And I knew that it was going to be a bad day for the Buckeyes because the the Purdue football team had something else to rally around rather than just the X's and O's. We need to play for this this guy who his one dream this year was to see us beat Ohio State. You know, and it, it caused pretty amazing and emotional. Yeah. And she's she was saying, you know, she hated she was actually at the game, which just she said it was terrible. But she's like, but how do you feel bad for that guy? how do you feel well, bad for that and guy? that
0: that story what i think is interesting about it is i think that it shows really in kind of a mystical way that there is power in a group of people coming together for a mission and a purpose that is bigger than just themselves you know and it really was it was the super bowl for those Purdue football players yeah i mean they're 3 and 3 they might be ranked at the end of the year, but they're not. They're, there's no way they're going to win the Big Ten championship or a national championship. I mean, it's just really, really a great, positive story. And these are the best moments in sports. The
1: best moments. But I think identity can can also be a negative thing if that's your, if that's what's really identifying you. What what negative things might be a part of your life and, and kind of a tribal sense? Trying kind of a understanding of this is maybe how the world works is how my athletics, if my athletics goes well, then good things will happen to me. If I have a bad game, then maybe bad things will happen. And and you can sort of believe that your identity and purpose stems on your performance on the field uh, or on the court or wherever you may find yourself. So
0: I think there's two ways of coming at sports and the point of sports. One of them is The point of sports is to be the best. And the other way of kind of looking at sports is the point of sports is to help me become the best that I can be or to help us become better. And they're two very, very different things. I think that it seems to me that the America, the American sports priority is the first to be the best. And this is where I... As I'm watching uh, all of these um, people that are part of my congregation be a part of sports teams, and as I'm thinking about my own children growing up and whether or not we're going to be involved in sports, I I am reminded when I look at the professional athletes in our world that are our gods, I think I'm reminded of the work of Richard Rohr, who talks about the three things in Mary's Magnificat that she says that God um, opposes— and he says those things are power, prestige, and possessions. But when I, look at, when I look at American athletes and the goal of really making it to the top, the goal is a mixture of those three things. It's I win so that I might have some sense of prestige. If I win, I'm rewarded with possessions. And by virtue of my prestige and my possessions, I then leverage a certain amount of power in this world. Athletes have an incredible amount of influence in popular culture because we idolize them so much.
1: Sure. Well, I I think that what is so intriguing too, and it's interesting that we we somehow are surprised when a 18 year old or 19 year old makes a boneheaded decision and you think you got everything. Why would you do something that would jeopardize that? And then we forget that they're 18, 19 year old, Kids, and I did stupid stuff, you know, when I was that age as well. Yeah. But I think that what's so intriguing is not only do they get power and prestige, but think about it. This last Saturday, 102,000 people were literally cheering for 11 guys who were standing on a football field. <laughs> That's pretty amazing when you think, you know, in, in a couple of weeks I'm going to an Alabama game, and, and I'll be part of the masses, right, who are literally – Screaming my brains out, probably on some level, where, um, so as a, an 18 year old person who was looking around at these throngs of people who were literally shouting your praises, it would be hard not to sort of get the big head of power and look what I've done, you know? And then if, if the, that same amount of people were to somehow, if you were to fail, you would hold that weight on your yeah. shoulder as well, of I've let all of these people down because I didn't make the interception or I dropped the touchdown pass or I, whatever the case may be, that you would also bear that weight, which would be a negative
0: form of letting a sport be your identity. (laughs) Well, and I don't think, I don't think that we in the church think critically about the role that sports play in our personal and personal, mental, even spiritual development in that way. So the, the scenario you just created of of 100,000 people rooting for 11 people, you know, who are their team on the field. Everyone in that scenario has a role to play in community development. By virtue of being one of the fans, what you're saying is I'm willing to give my money and give my time to glorifying these people, yep. to lifting up this effort. And by virtue of being one of the one of the 11 participants, what you're saying is I'm willing to give my life to give my time to give all my effort to the pursuit of this one thing and and if you're at that level of an athlete you're you're devoting a whole lot of your time and effort i mean you're all of your eggs are in the basket of sports at that point you know sure and you're saying that this is really 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 important for me and for this community and the question the question that i come back to is But what is the point? What is the point? What's the point of sports in America? And if for those people, and if for those athletes, the point is to win, we're spending a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money doing something that has absolutely nothing to do with the kingdom that Jesus came to proclaim. And it really, that that kind of effort is really in some ways antagonistic to the ideals of humility and compassion that comprise the ideals of the kingdom of God. And, it, and it, we're seeing that
1: lived out. And I'm not saying, once again, I don't hear what I'm not saying, but with a guy who says, we're going to win again. We're going to win again. We're going to win again. We're going to win so much your head's going to spin. And, and, and I'm not saying that's good or bad, Right. But that is being personified, it is being amplified when, once again, it seems like the call from the beginning was always blessed to be a blessing. And so we're seeing this, this played out not just on a sports level, but I think sports are a small microcosm of a, a thought, an ideology, an understanding of how we should live as
0: people. So we are both parents. And as we're having a lot of these conversations, we think about them really through the lens of parents and how we're going to be raising our children to be Christian in somewhat of a godless age. And so I want to talk about parenting and being a parent of athletes, because I think it's really important if you're going to allow your kids to participate in sports or if your kids are going to participate in sports, I think it's really important how you parent them and how you model living life in the sports subculture i'm i'm always troubled when i see parents really really disappointed or really really excited when their children win or lose a game and the reason that that, that makes me anxious is because it what it often points to is a prioritization of the parents that they see as the most important thing for that child winning which is this idea that we have in America right now that the point of life is to win the point of life is to be on top the point of life is to push someone out of the way so that you can get what you want and so i when i think about when i th- am thinking about sports from a lens of being an evangelical being one that's a bearer of the good news. I think about myself as a parent and how I'm interacting in sporting events, which can also which can often bring out very high emotion. Right?
1: Yeah. And some churches to the point that they they don't allow their students to participate in their right. sport. Or maybe their children haven't decided to join the church yet so they can participate, but the parent has respectfully said, I can't be a part
0: of of
1: participating and being a part of that.
0: Yeah. There are conservative denominations of Christians that that's the way they live their lives. Yeah. I think, you know, my,
1: my oldest son runs cross. My youngest son's talking about it. My youngest son was determined in fourth grade and fifth grade that he was going to play football. Um Because on the playground, they were just so good. They were killing it on the playground. And oh, so yeah. they were going to win the, the oh, state yeah. championship, man. They were, they were going to the top. And I think what we've tried to do, and I'm not saying that we're killing it and we probably have moments that we do better than other times, um, is really just trying to get back to that identifying piece. Like, I want you to do your best. I want you to to run your hardest. I want you, hey, you want to play football? Let's let's check it out. Um, But trying not to put my identity as a parent based on how they perform or what they decide to do or not to do. Um, because I think that's what a lot of parents end up doing.
0: Is living vicariously
1: through their children. And and I think we even do this not with sports, but say your child is acting up in the grocery store. Well, I take that as people looking at me thinking I'm a bad parent, therefore I don't want my child doing that. It really has nothing to do with what the child wants or doesn't want. It is about other people's perception of you, of me and what type of parenting or what type of parent I am or I am not. And so I think that, unfortunately, with athletics, we – we live into that in a big, big way that, that my child's performance, my child's ability or inability athletically says more about me and what I've done for them than it does for who they are as a person. And so, like I said, we tried to walk, you know, our youngest played baseball. He he was, he was pretty good. It wasn't great. Um, but just tried to make it about, Hey man, just do your best. You know, and I I was coached for T-ball and, um, and just trying to let the children know, um, this is, this is fun. <laughs> let's just, let's, let's, let's be together. Let's cheer each other on. Let's be a team. But at the end of the day, you're still a child. You're still a kid. Like, let's, let's just let this be what it is. Let's play hard. Um, so I also coached special Olympic basketball team. Yeah, that's right. And, um, and I remember last year I was talking to the parents and the students were in there just about the season. And I said, listen, um, First off, I'm going to do something wrong. So if you're going to get mad at me, just go ahead and be mad at me. I'm just just going to lay it yeah. out there. I'm going to put a child in when I shouldn't. Like, it's going to happen. So just if you're going to get mad, go ahead and do it right now. Second, I said, let's really just cheer for all people. Well, one of the students who is on the team and he's going to play again this year was like, Mom, I don't, I don't want to cheer for the other team. <laughs> I don't want to. And she's like, no, that's what we're going to be about. We're going to be... We're going we're gonna to cheer each other on. We're going to play our hardest. We're going to do what we can. We're going to score as many points as we can. But we're not going into this with this mentality of of being angry or upset or um, with this vicious idea of we're going to win at all costs. And and so it was funny that even this, this, this athlete that didn't sit well with him, that, yeah. that didn't add up into what he had been told or how he thought Athletics should be played um,
0: or the mentality he should have going into a basketball game. Well, culturally, that's just completely opposite of our mindset as far as athletics is concerned. The question that I want to ask is, are we harming or helping our children by encouraging them to be involved in sports? Are we harming them or are we helping them? I think it's yes.
1: (laughs) I don't know that... I think All right. It's probably your approach. Um, And I think it's up to us as the people of God, as evangelicals, to say, like, we believe that God's given us talents and, and abilities, and, and maybe part of some of those talents are athletic. And how are you not just going to use this for your own benefit, but how are we going to use this for the, the benefit of other people? And, and, and unless you have that community who is shaping you and forming you, unless you have that that place that your true identity is found, um, then it's then, then athletics are going to be whatever you make it. But hopefully what we are doing as the people of God, as the people who are to be about good news, is trying to to help our athletes. So our football team, right, in Paulding, we won three conference games this year. It's the first time we won a conference game in seven years. Wow. Right? So we're, we're killing it this year. Wow. Um, our church feeds the football team once a year. So the previous years I go in and I just I just try to love on these guys. I'm like, listen, I don't care if you lose every game. The fact that you have a P on the front of your jersey, you're my guy and and you're my and I'm going to be cheering for you. I'm going to be there for you. But like what you do on the football field has no bearing on on my allegiance and my love and my support for who you are and what you do. And you know they probably just like I just want my lasagna and bread if I can just yeah, get yeah, out yeah, of here. Right, right. But I want to make sure that they know that 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 we don't view them for what they can do for us. We view them as valuable just because they are they live in Pauline, Ohio. And and like I said, I'm not sure the message always gets crossed, but I'm I'm going to say it. I'm going to put it in the universe, and then maybe one day they'll remember that. I don't know, but I, it's just important for me when I have that opportunity before I pray to say. And we're here for you, whether you win or lose, whether you win by fifty, you lose by fifty. Um, that's not what's important. We're just yeah. glad that you're here and that you're playing football, and and we get to support you and be a part of that story.
0: You know, it's interesting in American culture one of the greatest inver- one of the greatest intersections between um, predominantly white upper class individuals and and urban lower class individuals are Division One NCAA Sports. Yeah. Highlighted by uh the movie The Blind Side yeah. several years back, telling the story of this family who brought in Michael Orr to live with them and he went in, he ended up going to play for Ole Miss. Yep. Right. Yep. And I I see these stories and hear stories about Division I coaches and their relationships between uh, these between them and these students that didn't have father figures or s- stable family lives, and they come into their program and they become star athletes. And I wonder to myself in the long run, are we, are we helping these people or are we hurting them? I know that these students are helping the NCAA make revenue. Sure. That's for sure. I mean, if there's anything getting helped, it's definitely the pocketbooks of the people in the NCAA. Sure. Um, but I wonder about... The development of these young people, and whether sports is their salvation or maybe even their damnation, yeah. I'm sure for some some athletes it it is their
1: saving grace, and for some of them who come and um, I, I know college football coaches get a bad rap, and and I know Urban has um, when the whole J T Barrett thing with the whole drunk driving and and people were screaming and yelling that he needed to be suspended for a game or he needed to be kicked off the team or he needed, and, and Urban gave him a, another chance. And, and I know Nick Saban has assigned players from other teams who got kicked off that team and he assigned them. And And I've heard interviews with him where he says, what am I supposed to do? Just let them go run on the street and, and when, you know, end up another statistic or do I give this, this guy a chance? He knows what he's going to have to do if he wants to stay on the team. And if he breaks the rules, then he'll be, you know, but it's, it's almost like we, because we cheer so much and pay so much, we want um maybe a certain level of you should do what I think you should do. You should do this the way that I think you should do it, especially maybe sports writers is why would you give this child another chance? And I know that there's probably, success stories and failure, you know, stories of failure where a student comes in, doesn't do what they're supposed to do, and they have to let them go. Um, and so, yeah, once again, I, I don't know that, I, th- I think anything we're talking about here, you're going to see the positive <laughs> and potentially the negative. And I think for us, what does it mean, once again, to be that good news is how do we help people not let what happens on a, a, a sports field? be the determining factor for how they feel about themselves. And um, and so I, I know a lot of coaches have stuck up, have tried to put their neck on the line to give people who otherwise would be once again become a statistic in a, in a, a terrible statistic. And, uh, and I know that they've, they've saved them and sometimes stuck their neck on the line so much that they lose their own job because of things that so they to talk.
0: I want to talk about a particular story like that. So several years back, Jim Trestle was the coach at Ohio State. Yeah. He was the football coach there. And some players... Sweater vest Jim. That's exactly right. <laughs> some players decided to take some of their, I think, game-worn jerseys to a tattoo parlor and give these jerseys as payment for tattoos. The story goes that eventually... Jim Trestle and at least the people around him found out about this and they didn't report it to the NCAA, which if you didn't know, that's a violation. These players who are not getting paid the revenue for wearing these NCAA marked jerseys that are selling like hotcakes in the stores, these, these players are not – that's not their property. They are not allowed to sell their jerseys for profit, right? So – These students, they break an NCAA violation, or they they commit an NCAA violation by giving their jerseys for tattoos. The people around Jim Trestle find out about it, who's the head coach, and he doesn't report it to the NCAA. And eventually the story comes out, and Jim Trestle ends up losing his job with these players being suspended. Some of them just end up leaving school and going to the NFL because they got rid of their jerseys for tattoos, now, the integrity part of this story, which as a Christian, I understand people making the argument that Jim Trestle should have gotten fired and all of the kids should have gotten let go because they didn't tell the truth. I understand telling the truth is a really high priority. However, as someone who's just looking at the development of individuals, 19 year olds 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds don't reason the same way that you and I do. Sure. And they want to they want to have the power, prestige and position and possessions that all of the people around them running the show have and they're not allowed to have any of it. Right. So they take their jerseys, the thing that they think is theirs, and they get rid of them for tattoos so that they can have the feeling of having power and having prestige. And Jim Tressel I think did something um Intentionally there where he said to them, you know what, if you if you go down, I'm going to go down with you. And for me, I just I think about I think about as a parent. What are the lessons that we are teaching our students or our young people through sports and through the ethics of sports? It seems to me that the NCAA in American sports is not concerned with character development at all, as much as they're concerned with guarding their revenues. Sure. And I think that that's, I think that when it comes to the NCAA and professional sports in America, it's not character development that's guiding the show in any stretch of the imagination. It's revenues. And for me, I'm, I'm just, I'm leery of professional sports and I'm leery of college sports because of this. As I think, that I think that these, I think the college sports and professional sports are Taking the focus of our young athletes, our kids in junior high and high school, away from character development, uh, away from any sense of goodness that might be brought out of sports, and they're watching.
1: Like it's amazing to see, and I know that they they don't get, but when a student makes a basket, the reaction they have looks a lot like Steph Curry or what? It yeah, yeah, like, yeah, right, you know right, what I'm right, saying. Right. And so we know that that the they're mimicking, they're imitating. Yes, yes. and. What are we doing once again? Is is that a healthy thing? Is that not a healthy thing? And once again, un, we love the entertainment value of all of those things, and and that's what people want to see. That's what they go to NBA games. That's what they go to NFL games. That's what they go to. They they want to see the the they're they wanting to be entertained, and um, but once again, they're bringing that attention on some level to themselves. Look how look what I just did and whether it be amazing or not. It, it, it And a culture is growing up mimicking, wanting to have that prestige and that power and that glory. Parents, uh, you know, how often when you're watching a game, they show the parents sitting in the stands and the yeah. parent wants potentially, man, I'd love to have that camera shot on me because my son's on the yeah. football field. Yeah, That's a sense of, of identity for them on some level. Um, And so I think we've, our culture is creating this understanding once again of this is what you got to do to make it to the next level. This is who you got to be. This is the time that you've got to give to said sport or said activity. And you got to be on this traveling team or you got to go to this many open gyms or you got to go to, um, you can't only play one sport you can't play multiple sports. You got to focus on this one sport and, and starting to create a culture of if you want to be a part of this. These are the things that you're going to have to do in order to rise to the next level or be a part of this this subculture that um, is going to get you where you ultimately want
0: to go. We usually in our podcast spend some time putting whatever topic we're talking about in conversation with scripture. Sure, and I think the question would be as well, good Wesleyans we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, and I think the question would be what what in the what kind of scripture would you put in conversation with the sports subculture phenomenon in in America and I think I think you've got a good one uh talk about talk about that scripture in Genesis yeah so at the end of Genesis
1: 11 so the world is was created good and then it's kind of this downward spiral after the fall and killing and you know, you have the story of Lamech and the flood, and it's just this downward spiral of the world is, is not what it's supposed to be. And the last story before we get to this understanding of promise that God has promised um, is the story of a Tower of Babel. And in the Tower of Babel, if you understand why they're trying to build this tower to the heavens, it says, Let's build a tower, a tower to the heavens so that we can make our name great. It was yes. all about them yes. and proving and showing to the world how great they were. Well, then in Genesis 12, it's a totally different understanding because God looks at a man named Abram and he says, all those things they're trying to get on their own, I'm just going to give you. I'm just going to bless you. I'm going to give you children. I'm going to give you land. But here's the caveat is I'm going to bless you so that you will actually be a blessing to the world. This this has nothing to do with, with you, as much as it has to do what you are going to be able to do for the entire world. And I think as Christians, sometimes we, we have to keep that central of, if, if I have athletic ability, God has given it to me so that I can be a blessing to the world. If I have financial means, God has given me that to be a blessing to the world. If God has given me musical talent or artistic talent or whatever you want that to be, the, the blessing is only and always so that I can then be a blessing to all the people I come in contact with. And so Genesis 11 is this, let's make a name. We are great. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's show people. Let's build a tower to the heavens. And Genesis 12 was, no, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you all that stuff. You're not
0: going to have to worry about that, but I'm going to give it to you so that you will then be a blessing to all people. Well, throughout history, people have had the desire to dominate other people, right? And as we've moved through history, we've seen the devastating effects of war that is like kind of the the ultimate kind of apex of people versus people trying to dominate each other. They actually kill each other right. in order that they might dominate each other. Throughout history, we've we've come to a point, we've come to a point, especially um post the 20th century, where as as people generally in the West, we we would say, you know, warring is not a good thing. It's not it's not an ideal to kill people to dominate so really what we've done in our western culture is we've set up this opportunity for our different tribes to war against each other to dominate against each other so where's the where's the sense of identity in your school it's the sports teams yeah kind of warring against each other um even even in the worlds of intellectualism so the the schools that are intellectually elite there's different rating systems for them right. to know how elite they are and how they are dominating others. And it is, it is really this amazing back-to-back situation, juxtaposition of stories that you mention in Genesis. Where the people are saying, we are going to make a name that is great for ourselves. And that is the point of the kingdoms of this world. Yep. And then God says, you know what, Abram... I'm going to make you great and I'm going to make a name for you that you might bless all nations. It reminds me of of Jesus's line. Whoever in the ideology, in the ideology of the kingdom of God, it's a flipping of priorities. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be last. And. It's really hard to live out that kind of ideology sure. in a sports arena, which is why the question is posed, can one be a Christian and be sold out with their life to sports? Or, or, or are sports kind of antithetical to a Christian lifestyle?
1: So, And I think Jesus was trying to say more than just, when we have church potlucks, you need to be the last person in line. <laughs> Right, because how many people have you, or how many church potlucks, and you're like, oh, there's somebody always brings up the
0: line, the last will be first. I'm sorry, I was just no, it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 the it's the best time to quote that verse because it's the one of least consequence for me. Right, if I can if I can quote that verse in the potluck line, I don't have to apply it to any other aspect of my life. Sure, I think that it's it is a tragic
1: understanding of, once again, we both went to Christian universities. Oh, man. <laughs> and my Christian university didn't have a football team. But I think yours did. Yeah, we did. Um, love my Christian university. Um, but I'd go to basketball games sometimes and look around and think, what in the world is going on here? And sometimes I feel like we were more hostile towards refs, towards other play the players of others' teams, um, more hostile in our attitude, um, which just begs the question, what, what, once again, what are we trying to accomplish? And, and sometimes we'd have non-Christian universities come and play us and were we more repelling <laughs> in how we treated and the, and did they ever think, I don't know, I wasn't in their mind. And if that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus, if that's what it means to be a Nazarene, um,
0: Not sure I want to be a part of that. Well, I—I mean, I I witnessed plenty of scenarios like you were talking about, and quite honestly, in my younger days, uh, was probably a part of more of those scenarios than I can remember. Sure, being someone who was heckling or acting in in a way that would be completely inappropriate for one who claims to have a sense of Christian character. One of the ways that we're seeing this play out in Americans in American Christian subculture is that our Christian colleges and universities, they're starting to prioritize athletics as a means uh, to gain more students. And what we're doing by virtue of pri- revenue. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Jeremy, <laughs> it's all about the dollars, man. Sure. And as we're prioritizing sports, what we're doing is we're we're compromising Christian community because we're making as the central events for our Christian communities for our Christian universities, sporting events. Chapel is no longer required. But we televise the sporting events. Right. I mean, it's it's really a complete flip of the prioritization of um, Christian community, Christian ethic, as it was intended to be when Christian universities were created.
1: Sure. And, and you know, it's funny because you look at a lot of colleges and you think I mean, you should really just take that like TCU. I'm not saying they're not a Christian college or university, but you just look at it and you think, Huh, I wonder what it's like on that campus. Well, it's so big. USC, a Methodist college, and have a statue of John Wesley on their their campus. And once again, I'm not trying to, to throw shade or you know, I'm not trying to to bring judgment because I have no I've never been on that campus. I mean Baylor, I don't know
0: SMU, I mean just all of these big name sporting programs that that traditionally are are very Christian institutions.
1: Right. Well, you have even the story that came out of Southern Methodist university and how they had to get rid of their football team because they were paying their players. Yep. And, and, and you're thinking, Oh my gosh, what have we. And, and so I think you're, you're exactly right. So all that to say, Jesus saying first, being last last being first, I think he was trying to say, it's more of an attitude of your heart. It's more of an understanding of how of seeing. seen, that maybe we live in the empire, but we're not a part of the empire. Uh, maybe seeing that, that the way the empire is choosing to order itself and how it values people, um, we don't do that as the people of God. We don't, we don't bow down to, to that identity, that understanding of, of how we value who is important and who isn't important. And I think that, um, you know, I think we talked about on the very first episode that that part of our name as Nazarene was this whole understanding in church of we're going to be about the poor, we're going to be in in the places that nobody else will go, and and so we have to make sure that that we don't fall into that trap once again of well, I'm living like Jesus because I'm the last one in the church potluck line. Okay, but what does that look like when you're at your job? Like like are you? doing whatever you can to climb the corporate ladder, or are you being a blessing to all the people you come in contact with? Right? And, and it, I think maybe even in particular, and as it relates to athletics, is are we creating and fostering a sense of, of you know what? It's just a football game. And uh, I, I think I told you earlier when you're eating lunch, if Alabama loses, if Alabama loses, <laughs> a big if. Yeah. My dad always says... <laughs> Sun will come up tomorrow, and I love that. You know, like what a, to me, what a great attitude of saying, hey "Amen." It's just a football game, and and my identity is not determined on whether Alabama wins or loses. It's um, well, I'll be upset potentially, but sun will come up tomorrow, and we're still going to be who God's
0: calling us to be all the time. Well, you just struck a nerve, I think, as far as Christianity and sports are concerned, because I don't know that we think critically enough about sports to think that. The, the sports as as kind of an entity and an idea is something that promotes the values of the kingdom of this world over against the kingdom the kingdom of God, and I I am concerned pastorally for people's for people whose formative community for their children and for their family is the traveling sports team, or is is the athletic fields because it's hard to grow up in those environments and not have as your number one priority winning, not have as your number one priority, the sense of my tribe over against another tribe, not my tribe blessing another tribe, right. but my group of people defeating the other group of people, right. which is, which is not a gospel mindset. And I, I realized that a lot of people Um, who were at one point a part of the church are now a part of traveling sports teams and they find their identity in sports because the church maybe has not done a great job of developing and cultivating vibrant community of service in the world. And so we have people that attend church casually that see absolutely no problem with selling out the identity of their family to the sports team because they don't find in the church any contrast to that or the sense of
1: belonging that says this is this is so important to me because this gives me my identity and my ethic and my purpose and yes. my my ideology and my understanding of how the world works um it's it's a good thing but it isn't the identifying factor of how I'm going to order my family and order my life and order my priorities and so therefore if it gets put on the back burner, I'll be back at the end of the summer, or I'll be back at the end of the basketball season, or I'll be back at... And sometimes I think we've created an out. Like, you know, at our church, we put our services on Facebook Live so people can tune in from wherever. Um, And nothing wrong with that, but I think that it you lose the sense of being face-to-face with people and sitting across the table from people who are trying to, to go the same direction you are. And if you're with people who are the direction they're going is once again the dominant, the winning, the uh, the, the the whatever it takes. We want to win this, 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 and this. Then that will, in essence, be who you become. Um, but if you're around a group of people who are really trying to be the cross and, and who Jesus is, um, then that will shape you and
0: form you as well. I have had conversations with people who are really their their formational community is the traveling sports team. And they say to me, they ask me the question, you know, what's what's the problem with this? Kind of what's the issue with this? Why is this anti-Christian? And I say to them, you know, I've never seen a traveling sports community that doesn't have an entitled winning mindset. I've never seen a group of traveling sports communities who go to the visiting field or place of play and are the first ones there to help set up. That cheer for the other team, that encourages the other team, that picks, that consistently picks up the other team when they um, fall down. That who's... Whose group doesn't get technical fouls for heckling, and then who stays after the event to clean up and to bless. That's just not our mindset in traveling sports teams in America. I'm sorry that it doesn't exist. It's a comp- it's a competition first mindset. It's a get in, do my thing, and get out mindset. And uh the mindset of the of the traveling sports team in America has come to be for many families a substitute formational community other than the church of Jesus Christ. And, and
1: sometimes they do a pretty good job of drawing people in. I think they, they well, do. Sure. and, and, and how do we look at that and say, okay, how, not that we have to do exactly like they do it, but they're doing something that's what is, and you know, I think the common piece would be athletics. But once again, I think the the real common piece is I want my child to be able to go to the next level or, that it's that important for them to be a part of this because of what it's going to give them, how it's going to produce in them where they're wanting their child to ultimately be, and how do we as the church say, that's important, but man, isn't your child being a blessing for the world? Isn't your child becoming this person more important than if they get an athletic scholarship? If Is your child being a good person to all people and, and being a part of their lives, is that more important than... Being able to hit a fifty mile an hour fastball.
0: So it's possible that you're listening to this podcast and thinking to yourself, Jeremy and Jonathan just want sports to go away, or <laughs> or they think that they think they're going to start a movement to end sports in America.
1: Yeah, so to remind you, I'll be going to an Alabama game in a couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. No. In the same way that the empire is not going anywhere anytime soon. Sure. That the kingdom of this world is not going anywhere anytime soon. Sports have become a very important, a very important part of modern culture. And I think I know that our hope today is not to do away with sports altogether, but it is to challenge the mind of people saying that they are the good news, of people saying that they're a part of the kingdom of God. And so I just want to bring up in conclusion these words of Jesus, where he says, store up for yourselves. Treasure in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you kind of interpret that through Jesus' other words in that book, in the book of Matthew, you, know, you see him in Matthew 25 talking about the judgment and about what you did for the least of these. Um, storing up treasure in Christ's kingdom Looks like serving others, looks like taking last place, looks like not prioritizing oneself, looks like not teaching our children that winning is the most important thing, but it looks like blessing others.
1: I think that it's something the people of God have struggled with once again since the beginning. And you know, Jesus in that, that same passage says you can't serve two masters. You either love one and hate the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. And I think that in the people of God, in, you know, are we going to worship the Baals or are we going to worship Yahweh? It's just been the story of the people of God from the beginning. And so it's not to say forget athletics, but I think that as evangelicals, if we're going to be good news all the time, even on the basketball court and the football field and the baseball field and the soccer field, like we, we can't compartmentalize our lives. But when Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, it is possible to play a sport and to glorify God as you're playing that sport. And we have to have better conversations about what does it mean to be a holistic, authentic person of God every second of every day so that we can bless others, even when the, the situation may be at its um, most stressful. What does it look like to be a person of God? who um, is blessing others all the time.
0: Well, and Jeremy, it is very possible for sports to be a competing God. Sure. I mean, I this is in conversation with the Shema also. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Do I love the Lord my God with all of my strength in the same way that I pour my strength and endurance into my sport? And are we teaching our children to do that? I think that,
1: think that what we really have to do is constantly, and, and I think that it's something that, once again, in the Shema, talk about it when you wake up, when you lie down, Come when on. you walk along the road, when you sit down at the table, when yes. you, which is constantly. And if we are going to allow, if our children are going to really be good news, then we have to continually be shaping and forming and talking and saying, okay, we're going to participate in athletics, but this is this is how we are going to participate in said athletic. It's this not is-
0: going to be the cornerstone of conversation in our home. Yes, we're going to do it. We're going to do our best, but we aren't going to have bad attitudes.
1: We're not going to um, ridicule or talk trash or or be uh, a part of something that would demean or bring down anybody else, even on the opposing team. But as a person of God, um, we are going to live life this way. And, and so I think that once again, they're going to hear, they're going to see the pro athletes, they're gonna, that, that voice is going to be loud and long and strong. And what we have to do as the people of God is to counter that with a different narrative, a different approach, a different story that we are going to live for to be good news to the whole world.
0: Before we end today, I just want to give a shout-out. Isaac Smith has been our producer for the first seven episodes of this podcast, but he is moving away from Northwest Ohio. And we are terribly sad about such things. Jonathan more than I because he works with him, but I am terribly sad as well. Yeah, but Isaac, we just want to say thank you for uh, your great work with this podcast, helping us get launched. He's taking a job in Chicago, but the best of luck to you and your young family. Uh, We hope many, many good things are in store for you in Chicago And uh, our podcast is not over. It's quality just may diminish (laughs) in the days to come. Thank you so much. Yeah, we love you, Isaac.